First Peter described that we ought to understand in the first chapter that we are a people of God who receive an imperishable inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and will not fade away. No matter how much you water your flowers, you do your thing on this earth, it will someday be nothing. But the good news is that Whatever we do here on this earth, as unto the Lord, God will take it and bless it and multiply it and use it to further his kingdom. His kingdom is different than this kingdom. For in this kingdom on the earth, there is evil. There's an enemy who would like to sow and does sow tears to try to mess with you, to try to wreck you. But I'm here today to encourage you. We have a good shepherd. Now, now we get to the fifth chapter. By this time, we've talked about the sufferings that the believers in the day that Peter wrote this were going through trials and persecution. They were standing up for their faith in Christ. I don't believe that the church is exempt from trials. I don't believe that the Christian will be exempt from persecution to some degree. The good news is God has reward for those who will stay true to the faith. Never quit. Never give up. Sometimes we may feel like giving up. But you know what? We just need to remind ourselves again that the Lord is coming back. He's coming back for the church, for the people of God. Meanwhile, he, he assigns to, gave an assignment to the disciples to go into all the world and proclaim the gospel. He said to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Disciple them. Speak life into people around you. The Bible says in the last days, false prophets will arise. Verse 1 of chapter 5 reads, First Peter, therefore I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God among you, 
Now I got to thinking. You, you've had moments where you get to thinking? You get to thinking? My sister and my brother are here. They might remember this. They probably remember more than I do. But when we went to Uncle Clarence's house, house or farm, Uncle Clarence was my brother to my mother. And on his farm, or the homestead, they had, he had sheep. Remember that? When we go there to visit, it was always interesting to see the sheep in the pasture. And, you know, sheep are, are, are creatures of habit. And they, you know, they had worn paths where they went to and fro and came to the water trough or whatever. But Uncle Clarence would, he would call those sheep. Some of those sheep had names. And all I, gotta, all I can come up with is Bucky. I don't remember any other names of the sheep. Maybe you do, Omar or Linda. Maybe there was a blackie, I don't know, but it was interesting to watch how he talked to the sheep. And he encouraged the sheep. Sheep need to be led. Sheep need to be encouraged. But we all are like we all are like sheep. We all have gone astray. We have all turned our own way. Right? And the good shepherd, Jesus, comes to look and to go after the sheep that are his. And those that are not his yet, he's still going after the lost sheep of the nations of the world. Meanwhile, as we understand Jesus, the chief shepherd, he also gave under-shepherd, which we know as pastors or teachers, those who will stay with the sheep. Well, this year is our 25th, I believe it is, the 25th year. Now, you're talking about two different things here. 25 years here as the pastor of this church, who we started this church with the help of the Lord, back in Cross Lake in the little community center. We set up church and did our thing and tear down church and put it away, pack it in, pack it out, pack it in. <sighs> By the way, it's our 35th anniversary coming up here in a couple of weeks. Here. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's some good lessons in this passage for not only pastors or leaders, but people who are believers. Because we are all, in some way, influencing someone else. Whether it be in your family, or whether it be on your way to the supermarket, right? Whether it be on a trip some faraway place, and you don't know somebody, but they might see something, or you... You exhorted some kind of a word of an encouragement, and you built them up. You are a you are taking people. You are you are exercising the likeness of Christ. And so, verse two, you look at it. We say, "Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion." Oh, I have to do this. God made me do this. 
No, that's not the attitude. That shouldn't be the attitude at all. In other words, he says voluntarily. In other words, they shouldn't have to drag you there to get you there. Let me speak to myself a little bit. If I'm in this for no other reason because God has called me and I want to walk in obedience to God, that's enough for me. That's the reason that I would follow after his leading. It's because, granted, there's a great responsibility that comes with preaching or teaching the word of God. In fact, I could talk myself right out of it if I allowed myself to do that. Right? You could find all kinds of excuses and reasons. But if he's called us some way, I will start with what I have. I will start with where I am. I will be faithful to what he's called me to be. For example, anyone know the boy David in the Bible? I mean the young shepherd boy, the, the boy that ended up killing the giant Goliath and before he did all of that, he killed a bear and he killed a lion. I find that those stories are fascinating. It was on a snowy day in a pit. Why would the Lord add that in the way? He just described the, the weather and the whole thing. Well, David developed this heart after God, in which we're going to get to the humility thing here in a bit, but David was humble about his leadership. Even to the point where when King Saul was after his life and King Saul was trying to destroy him because King Saul was mad and he was proud and he didn't want David taking any of his kingship away from him. Saul pursues David. And David had him at one time. He had him right there. David, Saul was asleep. And David cuts off a little bit of his cloak. Remember that story? And he, and he goes away. And, and he got feeling guilty about it. Remember that? Humility. Humbleness. Humbleness is saying, Lord... I'm going to let you take care of the battle. I'm going to let you fight the fight. I'm going to let you solve the problem. When I know I can't fix it myself, humility is saying even to someone else, maybe that person is just starting out and learning how to, how to teach or how to preach or how to sing or how to lead or how to do something or how to lay blocks or whatever it may be. And maybe you could do it better. And quicker. I'm speaking to myself. But how are they going to learn? And if you humble yourself and say, you just go at it. You just go for it. And encourage them on. Encourage them on. Say, good job. Say something good. Say something not bad. Well, something. Right? 
or couldn't have done better myself. Wow, I'm not so sure if that's a good one to say. Maybe you guys got a better one to say. But we're not in it for this reason other than God has called us. Who is he calling you today? Who is he calling you to this week to touch? Who will he, call, who will he bring you into a conversation this week, perhaps? And could it just, can you just envision for a moment that the Lord is orchestrating your weeks and orchestrating your summer and orchestrating your life and your season of life and that he has people ready for you to meet and we're going to, we're going to find that the Lord is going to use us. Because we're called. And we're looking for opportunities. I dare you to pray this prayer. Come on. How many dare? How many, how many are daring? I love it. I love it. Pray this prayer sometime this week. Lord, make an opportunity for me to be a witness. Now, that can go a lot of different ways. Now, you prayed a daring prayer. Because that could mean you might be under a bit of stress. And people are going to watch what comes out of you. You ever thought of it that way? Or you may be in a situation where people are talking and talking and talking and talking and they're just down on everything. Everything's negative. Everything is just like, well, this is happening and this is happening. I don't know what to do. You've got to bring them to the person who knows what to do. We've got to point them to the person who knows where he's going. We've got to walk on the path that is of the Lord himself that will lead us to the righteous path that will lead us to righteousness. Amen. Why does the Bible say there's a broad road that so many people are on, but narrow is the way that leads to life? Because few are finding it. We've got to pray that more people will find the road that leads to life, the eternal life that is forever and forever with Jesus. When we consider, I was at a, uh, earlier in the ministry, they asked me to go to a boot camp, a church planting boot camp, they called it. The reason they called it boot camp is this was intense. It was, it was, it was, you, you applied, you, you, you started in the morning and you didn't finish till late at night. And it's just it's terminology, but what, what I was intrigued by was that God uses all kinds of believers in the faith of Jesus Christ. All kinds, I should rather say, all kinds of denominations. And where I was at in this particular boot camp, we had almost all the churches that were represented across the board. And we were interacting. I just so happened to believe that in heaven, and I don't think you, I think you would agree that I don't think there's going to be a denomination, a name or a title. We belong to Christ. 
And I don't know if we've got it all right. I don't, I don't think any church has it all right. I just happen to believe that you know, maybe have it mostly right. Hopefully. But stick to the word. Even when the preacher preaches a message, you go to the word and you check it out. Right? You, you, in the book of Acts, there were Bereans. The people are called Bereans. Right? You remember reading that? And what did they do? They examined the scriptures. They were constantly looking to the scriptures to see if false prophets come floating along. Whoops! Something doesn't measure up here. Whoops! Don't quite know if I'll agree with that one. You see what I'm saying? The primary job of the under-shepherd, the pastor, the teacher, is to point people to Christ so that they learn how to walk with Christ and not depend on the pastor. The pastor, yes, you can show love and care and nourishment. I believe that we can encourage each other on. Sometimes the shepherd needs it. Amen. I didn't get an amen on that one now. Come on. We are going to teach mostly, and you'll get this from verse 3, not lording over it. Otherwise, the shepherd, the pastor, needs to be gentle. Not lording over it. Not say, well, you, you guys never get it right. You know, you gotta be more like me. That's not gonna that's not gonna fly. Right? You wouldn't follow somebody like like that. The Lord was not that way. The next part of the verse. Proving to be examples. Proving to be examples to the flock. How many remember five sermons that changed your life? And I don't want to see any hands. I bet you, maybe you do. But I bet you can find five people, think about five people, at least three or two or one that made, encouraged you, spurred you on because of their walk with Christ, you too wanted to follow after Christ more passionately, more desiring the things of God rather than the things of the earth. It goes back to ironing, sharpening iron. We do better when we are with other believers than separate, forsaking not the assembling of yourselves together, but all the more. Isn't it interesting in our, what we've been through that the enemy would like to keep us from stop us? And if he can, he'll do anything. He knows where the power is of the church. And when we call a prayer meeting, he'll do everything under the sun to get you to sidetrack you. You can't make it to my, you know, he'll just. It, our power is in together praying through 
praying them individually, but praying for each other individually, but praying together. The body of Christ. As believers, we're all going to get on. When the chief shepherd appeared, this is, this is, the, this is the chief shepherd. Who is the chief shepherd? The chief shepherd is Jesus himself. He is the chief shepherd. He's the great shepherd. He's the good shepherd. He's the shepherd that will not lead us astray. He is the shepherd that is preparing a place for you and I. When he appeared, we will receive the unfading crown of glory. Now, let's think about this unfading crown of glory. In the days that they had athletic uh, events, they were often given a wreath or some kind of flowers, and they would place that on the winner. Well, look good for a while. It's sort of like on your wedding day, you know, you had that blue, beautiful bouquet of flowers, and you kept it alive as long as you could. Faded. Can I jog memories? You had your car, you remember, it was so cool and it was so crisp. Or a motorcycle, or whatever, maybe. Or you just mowed the grass and it was a fresh rain, it just looked great. Everything in this life, as we know of, will fade. Will fade, deteriorate. But there's one thing that we know is certain in heaven. The things of heaven will never fade. They stay new because God is the source. God is, where God is, there is life. There is a constant flow. There's no need for the sun to be in heaven because he is the sun, he is the light. We can go on and on and on. Now, he, he appeals to the younger man. There's something he's trying to say here that young men ought to respect, be subject, verse 5, to your elders, and all of you clothe yourself with humility toward one another, for God is opposed to the what? Proud, but gives grace to the humble. How many read that before? Quite a few of you. How many of you have just really liked that verse? Yeah, maybe one, two, three. What is it saying? God is opposed to the proud. In other words, when there's pride, there's a problem. Pride says, I don't need God. Pride says, I don't have any problems. Pride is like the New Testament illustration that Jesus used about a, a couple of people that were praying at the altar. I'm going to quickly turn to it in Luke 18, verses 10. This is just, this is, an old, this is one of those classic parables that Jesus taught often with parables. 
stories. They're stories. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax gatherer. They don't get much better or worse, I guess is the word. It doesn't get much crazier than a Pharisee. You know, the Pharisees knew the law. They were the keepers of the law. And the tax gatherer, he's the guy nobody liked because he was always asking and taking money from people. And they're praying. The Pharisee stood and was praying thus to himself, God, I thank thee that I'm not like him. Whoa. That I'm not like other people, swindlers, adulterers, or even like tax gatherers. And he begins to boast, I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. Now that's all good. Well, what got the attention of the Lord here was the next one. The tax gatherer standing some distance away was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. Which one of those guys you think God heard? You know the story. You know where it's going. It says, I tell you that this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself shall be humbled, but he who humbles himself shall be exalted. Now God knows our heart. And it doesn't take a long prayer to get saved or to be saved or to even get right with God. You know what's good? Some of the shortest prayers can be the most humblest prayers. In fact, Jesus said to the Pharisees, you love to pray on the corners of the streets. You love to be seen by men. You like the praises. You like the attention. And God is saying, if you're a man or a woman who will just serve me, who will not care about what others think, who will not be caught up in any kind of getting attention for themselves, but they just stay humbly. They just stay humble. They just walk humbly. They just stay in the true and the right relationship. The only way this, this world is going to find who Christ, who he really is, is that the humble, the humilityness, humiliness, humiliness, oh, I can't even say the word. The humility, there it is, thank you, Jesus. The humility. God humbles me many times. When I, as soon as I start to think I can do it on my own, bam! Fall on the face. You know what? That's a good thing.
Humility says, I need you. And I'm a sinner. I admit my need. I cannot save myself. I need you every day. And if I'm going to encourage someone else on, may it be, may it even be as Paul, he emphasized his, he would rather talk about his weaknesses. Come, stay with me now. He would rather boast about his weaknesses. People identify with weakness. The good news is he is strong. And when you've, when you've come to a place where you feel, well, you know, hey, I'm doing pretty good. I, I, I'm, you know, God must be kind of happy with me. Wait a minute. God loves you, and even when you sin, God's still working with you. Why is Satan, why was he kicked out of heaven? You know the answer to this. He took a third of the angels because he wanted to be God. The problem is if any leader starts to believe or think that they are the reason that that ministry or that thing is held together, they're, they're in dangerous situation. This is his church. You are his people. All of us together, working together. One contributing where another's weak. What is our goal? Daughter asked me what was Emily did. What's your favorite book of the Bible? I asked her first. I don't remember what she told me, but it was parts of the Old Testament. And I, I said Philippians. Why? We read we read this great verse. There's many great verses. In chapter two, read verse three. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind. Regard one another as more important than himself. Wow, if the world would get a hold of that one, wouldn't the world be different and changed? Do not merely look out for your personal interests, but for the interests of others. The happiest people in the world People have found the joy of giving. 
helping others. They're the hapless. They're not caught up in what success is, what things we got to have in order to be successful. And that's just the world putting on us. You're successful if you have Jesus. You're successful when he looks at your heart and says, there's a person. There's a person I can use. There's a person I can trust with my word, to handle my word, to handle people around them. There's a person I can trust. Will not bring glory to themselves, but bring glory to the King of Kings. We're going to sing that song as a benediction song. You're worthy of it all. I just really, that just hits me every time. It's a new song for me. You okay with a new song once in a while? Did you know that in the Bible it says sing a new song? You know, we're just learning new songs. We like to bring the old stuff in time to time, but let, let's support these young folks too as they bring new songs to the church. Let's bring it up to the Lord now. Let's bring it to the Lord.